This is Dangerous Vision, a production of the Massachusetts Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired. We put blind students at a disadvantage. You know, if a sighted student shows up, they get a book that's accessible to them. In part two of his candid conversation with Randy Cohen, NFB President Mark Riccobono talk education. Now it's a print book, but they get it. The teachers don't have to get together and discuss it. They're going to get the book. Randy asks Mark the tough questions. So wait, let me let me push you on this. And the reason I'm going to push you is because I'm on your side. Okay, so I'm going to push you so you have a chance to answer the audience. If a blind student shows up, we have to debate. Well, do they get a Braille book? Do they get a print book? Do they get a large print book? And it's, it's not a given that they're going to get a book. Uh, it, it is the... The major civil rights issue um, for us in this generation. I, I can see that clearly what we what we should have organized is one episode just on education <laughs> and one on everything else because I'm fascinated with education as an yeah. educator. Obviously, you're fascinated with education. I think we probably share the view that kind of nothing is more important uh, for people's future than um, you know than than helping them to get educated. So my mother was um, uh, a reading teacher for many decades uh, at a school for uh, kids with uh, learning disabilities, and um, and so there was always uh, a hot discussion going on that you know frequently spilled over into our kitchen table about uh, the issue of mainstreaming and so forth and and which kinds of kids are best suited to be educated together with others who you know share their challenges and and which kids you know uh, should be put into you know regular public schools or, or what have you um, you know thoughts on the blind and visually impaired in terms of uh, in terms of mainstreaming a, in terms of what you believe, B, in terms of what are the trends around the country, i.e., is the country moving in the direction uh, that you think it should, or uh, or some parts of the country are and some aren't, or tell me your thoughts. Ooh, well, I'm not sure we have enough days to cover that topic fully, but to, to say... <laughs> you have 75 seconds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, so first of all... Uh, Blind students being integrated into uh, educational systems has been a very good thing overall. Um, the problem is really what happened with, I guess, we'll just say mainstreaming for blind students is that it yeah, became, I, I apologize if that term is 25 well, years out of date. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, so just generically to use it, it became an either or, right? You either went to the school for the blind or you were fully integrated into your local school. Well, there's there's probably a, a center point there that um, is missing. You know, the the law uh, for all of its um, problems, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, talks about a continuum of educational services. Well, the the problem is that continuum really doesn't exist for blind students. And um, it really becomes an either or. So uh, I think what we we need uh, more of a continuum. We mm -hmm. need because it's not so much about the students; it's about providing the right services at the right points. And what happens in education related to blind students is a uh, we put blind students at a disadvantage. You know, if a sighted student shows up, they get a book that's accessible to them. Now it's a print book, but they get it. 
They, the teachers don't have to get together and discuss it. They're going to get the book. If a blind student shows up, we have to debate. Well, do they get a Braille book? Do they get a print book? Do they get a large print book? And it's, it's not a given that they're going to get a book. Uh, it's, you know, what kind of book are they going to get? Similarly with technology, right? Um, students today, I mean, I have three children. They're in the Baltimore City Public Schools. My son shows up. He's not blind. He's going to get to use Google Classroom and a, and a Chromebook. My daughter, who is blind, the educators have to get together and talk about what kind of technology is she going to get? And one of the reasons they have to talk about it is because the technology, which is just ones and zeros, it could be accessible if it was built that way, is not accessible right out of the box. So one of the things we need to happen is for the schools to start thinking of themselves as uh, they need to be ready for when a blind student shows up. All too often they wait until a blind student shows up, and then they debate about what accommodations are needed. But that is not the right approach in 2019. The technologies used in our schools should be accessible without question. We shouldn't be putting any taxpayer dollars into systems that are not accessible to everybody. And the technology is such that we can build it to be that way. The only reason it doesn't get built to be that way is because the schools don't demand it. Um, so, so, so give us an example. In other words, I mean, right now, yeah, kids get a book. And obviously, yeah. if you're totally blind, you can't read a book. Yeah. And so is your point that kids shouldn't get books because they, they should get something in a format that blind people can handle, like an audio format or something? I mean, that, that seems you know, like strong, strong stuff. No, I'm saying that I think uh, schools should be prepared to, out of the box, give blind students the same basic educational services right away. So in other words, uh, every, everything should be right. So even if you don't have a blind student yet, the point is you should be you should know what you're going to do. Right, if, exactly. if, if a blind kid takes this class, oh, okay, we'll go and, and give them the, the Braille version of the book or, or you know, whatever, whatever it is that, right. that suits that kid's needs. Right. So, so often it's, it's after the fact, it's second class, it's not, it's not built into the education system how we're going to provide equal access to these services. And that's the thing for blind people, right? It's an access to information problem. It's not a learning problem. Now, mm. there are blind people who have learning disabilities. Sure. That's a different issue. So education is complicated, but I, 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 it is the, the major civil rights issue um, for us in this generation, we need to dramatically transform how, edu how education happens for blind students because blind students are at a disadvantage when they show up. And it's not because of blindness, it's because the systems aren't in place to really provide them equal access to information. And the parents get talked into second class services all of the time. So so let me ask you this, and, and, and normally I would say this is just an absurdly unfairly difficult question. But since you're the president of NFB, you might actually be the guy who knows the answer to this. How much does it cost for, a let's say you've got a typical public school in the suburbs somewhere. Let's say that it costs, I, I don't know, I, my, figure, I, my figures may be way out of date, but you know, whatever, $14,000 per student on average to educate them. How much does it cost them to educate one blind student if, if, they, if they study at that school? Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a, a difficult question to answer, but uh, to put a dollar amount on, but let me say 
I think the question speaks to the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we think about blind students as, uh, or, or, or blind students get thought of as the other. So how much is it going to cost to educate this student versus those students? Well, that's really not fair. Um, so at, uh, just take the public school or my, my, all three of my kids are in the same public school. It's a great charter school here in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most expensive things they spend money on doesn't do anything for the blind students there. They spend a lot of money on lights. Now the lights aren't there for the blind student. Mm-hmm. Now uh, the lights are there for the sighted students because they don't know how to do anything in the dark. Right. They're completely helpless. No one questions. Well, we, uh, you know, it, it's a special accommodation to provide lights because right. it's it's built in. So the problem with the special education system is. When you start talking about a blind student, everything is an extra. But that is not true. If we were thinking about our education programs as education programs that um, really fully do include a range of individuals, some who use their eyes, some who don't, the cost would be considered less. So, All right. So, so wait, let me, let me push you on this. And the reason yeah. I push you is because I'm on your side, right? Yeah, I'm blind. Sure. I want help with the blind. And – but what we don't want is for people to hear this, have arguments in their head that you don't answer because yeah. I wasn't uh, because I decided to be nice instead of pushing you. Okay, so I'm going to push you so you have a chance to answer the arguments. So, like, I know somebody who has a son who uh, has uh, significant autism, and there was a special treatment actually down in your neck of the woods in Maryland, and it cost I think literally about a million dollars, right? And because the person I know actually has been extraordinarily successful, he was able to to uh, have this treatment for for his son. Uh, but I think most uh, places, most cities or states or, or whatever, would say, you know, and, and it's not like a, the kid, you know, suddenly was not autistic or anymore, but you know, it, his, it helped his behavior some. Um, you know, they, they would say, okay, look, a million dollars. That's a special case. Now, obviously, if we take the argument you've made with the blind to the extreme, we would say, you know, hey, the, we spend money on things for the non-autistic kids and so forth. Um, but most people would feel like, you know, hey, that million-dollar expense, if you're fortunate enough to be able to, to do that for your kid, that's wonderful. But but that's not something uh, that the government's going to pay. Uh, should there be limits on, on thinking about these issues of, uh, of, of what we'll do for the blind. And in fact, I'm going to throw in another argument that, that uh, I think about and that people usually are too nice to say to me, but I think about it anyway, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you a chance to, to make it on my behalf, which is my experience, as I say, becoming blinder over my life is <clears throat> when I crossed a threshold to where I was sort of clearly blind and I had a, a blind stick and, and called myself blind and so forth, life got a lot easier because at that point, sort of society was kind of built to help me a little. You know, whereas when I was just a guy with really bad eyesight, nobody cared. They were just mm-hmm. like, you know, fix your own problems, dude. And so thoughts on that nexus of, 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 of concepts, that it seems like if you in certain buckets, you get certain help, and other people in other buckets don't get out. What are your thoughts? Well, and, uh, that's because we really don't have an integrated approach to um, uh, education or rehabilitation. And uh, part of it is we look at situations and we don't we don't equip people for the future 
We try to equip them for where they are today. So just take my case, right? Five years old. I'm not even in kindergarten yet. Five years old. They know I'm legally blind and they know that I have an eye condition that is very likely progressive. To what degree? Who knows? Now, but five years old, they know that. The school systems would have, and and let's just say society, would have saved a lot of money had they started teaching me Braille when I was five years old. Had they started working these things into my education? Yes, they could not identify when I entered kindergarten that I was completely going to need them. But the problem is uh, they wasted a lot of resources trying to get me to uh, be educated and use tools that only half effectively worked for me. Whereas if they front loaded it, if they taught me Braille in that K to three time period when, when all kids are learning to read, uh, then I would have been better equipped to read to learn. Um, so what I'm saying is there's a lot of things that because of the way we think about blind students as special education, but uh, for for blind students particularly, right, it's an access to information problem. If we just agreed that if a blind student shows up, we're going to provide them with equal access to the technology to uh, materials in the right accessible format rather than debating about it, we could actually be more efficient at providing services. Um, so I think society um, thinks of blindness as kind of being like the worst case scenario. And that's part of the problem that we need to think about the skills that blind people use as a tool that many people who uh, have some degree of remaining vision can benefit from. It's not a last resort. It actually allows you to make an informed choice about what works at what time. skills that they need and the knowledge to be independent in just about every aspect of their life. An example of this is a one-of-a-kind facility in Orange County, California. They're preparing blind and visually impaired children to lead independent lives. When we did letter M today, we taught it in print. We also taught it in Braille for our students. We also try to make all of our activities tactile. Let me ask you one more in education. That is um, teachers, right? I had, um, I, may, I, I may have told this story on the podcast, but if so, tough luck, listeners. Um, so uh, I have a friend who's an education school professor, and he um, uh, was visiting uh, uh, at Harvard for a year. Uh, he teaches at Michigan. And, and, uh, and he was visiting here, and, he, and he, uh, he said that his kids were attending a school where everything was taught around the Charles River. And so if they were teaching history, they'd talk about, you know, Paul Revere, you know, crossing over, and they'd talk about, you know, the, the history of, of um, you know, shipping and all these things. If they were doing math, they would compute flow rates on the river. If they were doing biology, they'd understand the fish and the ecosystem and so forth in the river. And 
And I said, and so what do you think of it? He said, oh, it's, it's just clearly the best way to educate children, to integrate all the aspects of their learning in this way. And I said, oh, so you know, do you think that we'll see a lot of shifts in education towards that? He said, no, uh, the problem is like they've got this group of like 20 incredible teachers who teach this integrated method and they're superb, but you're just not going to be able to get you know, 4 million teachers or whatever we have nationwide who can teach in this um, you know, very challenging, you know, really it requires a very special person to teach effectively in this mode. And so, you know, we need to devise uh, uh, curricula that are, um, you know, accessible to the, to the talents of, of, you know, millions of teachers, not just a, a, a few extraordinary teachers. And, um, and I thought that was pretty interesting. And so what if I said to you, of course, if you have an incredible teacher, they'll have a blind student and a, and a hearing impaired student and a student with mobility problems and and a bunch of kids who are just rambunctious or ADHD or just regular kids and, and uh, you know, a super genius kid in the corner and all that, and they'll just handle it all with aplomb. But can we really have millions of teachers who can handle all this kind of complexity uh, in their classroom? Um, what do you think? Well, I think that's where it comes down to building schools that that support that complexity. Um, uh, and I... I mean, I think that to do that requires a really major reform of uh, the education systems as we know it. Now, I'm not saying that every school um, should should have every competency. And in fact, I I think that's where that continuum of services comes into play. Um, I would I think that a school district should be prepared if a, a blind student is uh, going to go to their neighborhood school to, to work with that student and to make sure the supports are there. But I do think there's value, and I can only really speak for blind students because uh, that's my constituency and that's where I spend my energy. Uh, but I think there's parallels that uh, to have, um, call it a magnet school or that's sort of thing, a resource room where a school can be for a district the place where students might go. So you might have a particular elementary school. They're going to be rock stars in making sure that uh, students who are blind, who can't see so well, that come to that school, they're going to get intensive preparation, K to three, in Braille, in reading, in those fundamental skills so that whatever school they go to, they're going to have those foundational skills. They're not going to need what you see a lot of blind kids getting, you know, a full-time aide still working with them when they're in high school. That just should not be happening. And it's, it's happening because kids aren't getting those fundamental skills up front. So uh, obviously, if I had all the answers in this area, uh, we would have done it. Uh, it it's, a, it's a larger systemic question, but I think it's one that um, we need to solve. Well, look, I really appreciate all you do to, uh, you know, work to help me and all the other uh, blind people in, in America and to a great extent, I'm sure, the world in, in the way that all these things have spillover effects. And uh, so thank you for everything you do and thank you for being with us today on Dangerous Vision. Thank you and thank you for your uh, insightful questions. I hope we'll have an opportunity to explore them some more in the future. Yeah, we, we, I've got a hundred questions. I've got <laughs> 
We're going to get you back again soon, Mark. Thank you. So, all right. Thank you. <laughs> right. Take care. Thank you. You've been listening to the Dangerous Vision Podcast, a production of the Massachusetts Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired. I'm David Brown.